non-rock a boatus must stop. I don't want to rock the boat. I want to sink it. Are you going to bark all day, little doggy, or are you going to bite? Right. Delusional is okay in your worldview. I'm an animal. You don't chastise chickens for being delusional. You don't chastise pigs for being delusional. So you calling me delusional using your worldview is perfectly okay. It doesn't really hurt. <laughs> she hung up on me. Yes! Yes! What? What? Desperate times call for faithful men and not for careful men. The careful men come later and write the biographies of the faithful men, lauding them for their courage. Go into all the world and make disciples. Not go into the world and make buddies. Not to make brosives. Right. Don't go into the world and make homies. Right. Disciples. Well, I, yeah. got, I got a bit of a jiggle neck. <laughs> That's a joke, Pastor. When we have the real message of truth, we cannot let somebody say they're speaking truth when yeah. they're not. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of kings on earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever Amen. What's up, y'all? Welcome back to another episode of Apologia Radio. Get us at ApologiaRadio.com. As always, I want to remind you guys, if you haven't done so yet, get our app. It is available on the iTunes Store and on Google Play. Yeah. <laughs> Google Play, get uh, Apologia Church app. It's got good stuff on it, guys. Uh, helpful things from conferences we've done. Uh, other radio programs, uh, so um, different shows. Uh, there's a show on there with uh, Dr. White and I on abortion on the Janet Mefford show. Um, a show of me on Cross Encounters with Tony Miano on uh, apologetics. Uh, just lots of stuff. It's all there on that app. You guys can pick it up, listen to stuff, and uh, teaching from the church. Uh, we were at uh, in Canada, a eh, last hey. week, and uh, somebody had the app and they walked up and they said they were actually listening to. Do, uh, I almost called you Dr. Luke. Uh, I'll Luke, take that. Uh, Luke yes. Pearson's uh, study from Apologia Church on the doctrines of grace. There's also every single Apologia Radio episode up on the app. You can get easy access right to it. You don't have to scroll through 10 pages to find the one you want. They're all right there, and you guys can download them directly to your phone. Apologia Church, iTunes, Google Play. Get the app. That's. Marcus Pittman. What's up, Marcus? What's up, man? How you doing, dude? You got a better name for me this week? Nah, I'm working on it, man. Working on it? Okay. We got Darkus. We got King Ginger. I'm not liking any of those. <laughs> okay. Marxist. 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 The Marxist. <laughs> uh, well, we're trying to keep, we're trying to keep our guests a secret. I don't know if we keep okay, a I, I think yeah, I think we've already exposed we, them. Already exposed I like Lord of the Ginger Folk, but Lord I don't of the Ginger like Folk. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, that's Luke the Bear right there. What up, though? What's up? <laughs> we might as well just go ahead and bring him in now. He's already, yeah. already introduced him with this clip. Yes, yeah, so, and we have a special guest, of course, um, for Apologia Radio. He's uh, regular on Apologia Radio, and um, excited to have him. Uh, we've uh, done uh, conference stuff with him. We've done radio shows. Actually, uh, this year, this year, so far, one of the shows we've done that we've gotten the most feedback 
from um, is oh, the yeah. last episode we did with Tony Miano on evangelism. And uh, well, I don't know if you knew, knew this or not, but we just had um, a Christian and Esther from, from church. Yeah. Uh, they had some Jehovah's Witnesses over. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, was it last week or week four? Anyway, uh, they had them over, and one of the things that Esther had posted to everybody about the encounter was she said, thank God for the Tony Miano episode on Apologia Radio. That was, I think, the episode that stirred them to get to work yeah. and to be bold yeah, yeah. and confident and to yeah. do this sort of stuff. So, Luke, do you have a special clip? We can, uh, we can, I do. Okay, all right. We so we have a little nickname. We like to give our each other and our guests nicknames. <laughs> and uh, so we sort of like loosely referred to Tony Miano as... The Godfather. The Godfather, yeah. The Godfather. <laughs> and so we have a little clip for okay. Tony. Here we go. Be my friend. Godfather. Good. Someday, and that day may never come, I'll call upon you to do a service for me. But uh, until that day, accept this justice as a gift on my daughter's wedding day. So what you don't know is that's actually... Um, From the Godfather. That's the audio of me actually calling Tony earlier asking yeah. if he would be on the show. Yeah. No, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> you know, my friend. <laughs> that's when you were asking to be your friend on Facebook. Just we were exchanging favors. Like, I'm, I'm doing him the special thing, and he's doing... This is his favorite, but he's going to call on me one day. You, you know, to get that accent, he put peanut butter in his mouth yeah. to talk. <laughs> is, was it peanut butter? Yeah, yeah. So, so you put peanut butter in your mouth just yeah. to talk to Tony? I can do it. <laughs> yeah, that's what you did. So, Tony Miano, what's up, brother? How are you? Uh, well, uh, that laughter you heard was not holy laughter. I want to assure you of that. Uh, <laughs> holy laughter. <laughs> but... But I don't... I, I think my whole day has been shot because all I can see is... Marcus Pittman's smile and beard and a placard that says King Ginger. I am utterly I am utterly beside myself. Good, good. That's what we like to, what do. to do. That's what we like to play. Yeah, I just I could, I could just see I I, ha, I still have that picture of me on uh in California preaching. You know which one I'm talking about? That Brad uh, Snow the one, painted? The one where uh uh, the one where uh, we're down on the uh, boardwalk at Huntington Beach surrounding you. Yes, to keep and from so being that yeah. picture with King Ginger right below it, right? All hail King Ginger. <laughs> hey, you know, it's going to happen. Can I mention this real fast? That, that meme will come out. <laughs> it will. I, think, I think I have that name forever now, whether I want it or not. Whether you want uh, it or not, it happens. That's it, yeah. So, hey, I was looking on YouTube videos for Marcus Pittman, don't ask me why, and... Uh, and um, I saw a video of you. It was nighttime. You were in some city, and you were preaching, and a guy uh, oh, got, yeah. got rough with you and was like going like, to attack you. He startled you. That was crazy. But I, I was like, whoa. And then I see, I see the Godfather come like out of the shadows and jump in front <laughs> to protect you. I was like, well, Tony was there. <laughs> and several of his minions. Yeah, I know. Too. It wasn't just him. Yeah. Tony That's just right. – several, several of my lieutenants were with me. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's awesome. So, uh, all right, Tony. Hey, uh, so we were able to grab Tony. I, I gave him like last minute notice, like, hey, we want to be on the show. And uh, he graciously, you know, came on the show today. He's actually at Starbucks right now. Um, uh, but you are doing something right now ministry, with ministry, and you are in Redding, California. Tell us what you're doing in Redding. Yeah, I'm up here in Redding, California as the uh, guest of uh, Calvary Chapel, Redding, and, uh, and uh, Lake Shestina Community Bible Church, which is about an hour north of here. Uh, came up here specifically uh, to preach the gospel on the streets of Redding, uh, hoping to reach everyone I can with the gospel, uh, especially those who attend what I believe is a cult up here mm -hmm. known as Bethel Redding. Okay. Talk about that. So, because I mean, that's a, that's a dangerous movement that yes. uh, not everybody's familiar with, and uh, we we actually were not familiar with how far-reaching um, they were until really about a year and a half ago or yeah. so. Uh, with Jesus Culture, didn't realize that Jesus Culture was actually a part of Reading uh, or Bethel Church. So, talk about that church. You said it's a cult. What's the danger of that movement? Tell us about it. Well, the. Uh... Um, uh, Bill Johnson is the uh, is the pastor, I'll say, leader um, of the organization. He is uh, a generational pastor. His father pastored uh, uh, the church prior to him. Uh, in the 1990s, uh, Bill Johnson, like so many other people, were captivated by yet another false move of the spirit known as the Toronto Vineyard, uh, Toronto Blessing. Uh, and it was one of those uh, movements that uh, featured people barking like dogs, quacking like ducks, holy mm. vomit, holy laughter, uh, you name it. Anything that was unholy that you could attribute to the Holy Spirit, yeah. uh, that movement uh, put out. Well, Bill Redding went up, or Bill Johnson rather, went up there to get some, as they like to say in those circles. Mm. And uh, he tells the story of how he was... Uh, pinned to his bed one night, feeling like electric shock was going through his body. Uh, and he knew it had to be of God because it felt so good. And he brought what he learned from the uh, Toronto Vineyard back to Redding, California, uh, split the church uh, in half when he decided he was going to go the direction of the false signs and wonders movement. And uh, that was the start of... Bethel Redding as it as we know it today. Huh. Uh, wow. Over time, over time, uh, Bill Johnson has anointed himself and been anointed by other false teachers as a super apostle, part of the new apostolic reformation. And and what do we know, Pastor, about anything that says new? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's probably false. And uh, and this certainly is. Uh, you have people like. Uh, uh, not only Bill Johnson, but uh, Bill Johnson laid hands on a on a charlatan and carny by the name of uh, Todd Bentley, uh, mm. who is uh, well known for his antics down in Florida yeah. uh, with another false revival. Uh, he cheated on his wife uh, with his uh, nanny and uh, uh, was uh, battling alcoholism, I guess, and other things. And and this was after he was anointed as a super apostle. Wow. Yeah. And so they, so they uh, quietly removed him from ministry. And now, of course, they're restoring him because what do you do with men who aren't qualified to lead? You 
take them out of the limelight, stick them back in Canada for a while, and then you bring them out of the closet uh, new and revised mm. and teaching as much garbage as they were before. Mm. Um, the uh, Bill Johnson's teaching, Chris Vallotton, who's his, uh, uh, who's his uh, associate pastor, uh, they teach a false gospel. They believe in a false Jesus. Uh, Bill Johnson uh, said in one of his sermons that uh, if you believe a gospel that allows for illness, you believe in anathematized gospel. Good gracious. So, so he takes, uh, he draws some from the uh, prosperity movement, definitely deep in all of the word of faith nonsense, insisting that Jesus had to be born again, um, which of course is, is damnable heresy. Um, he also teaches that at the, the he denies uh, he denies the hypostatic union. Hmm. He he denies that Jesus was fully God and fully man in his bodily form in his human form. He believes that Jesus was a a man, fully man, who was empowered by the Holy huh. Spirit to perform the miracles uh, that he did, and he has to teach that because their entire theology uh, is based upon misrepresentations and blasphemies of the Holy Spirit. They worship the Holy Spirit. Um, the, the Holy Spirit they worship doesn't point to Christ, doesn't point to truth, doesn't point to uh, you know, warn mankind of sin and righteousness and the coming judgment. Wow. Um, he also, um, part of this, and this is canonic, uh, canonic theology that we're talking about, the, the denial of the hypostatic union. Uh, part of that came out in one of his sermons where he said, at the Great Commission, and of course, as, as you and, and, our, and our listeners know, that Great Commission took place after Jesus rose bodily from the grave. Bill Johnson insists that at the Great Commission, Jesus was not God. Huh. He, was simply, he was simply our elder brother. Good gracious. And Ooh. his... And his rationale for that is uh, uh, a twisting of Matthew twenty-eight eighteen, you know, where Jesus says, "All authority has been given to me." Huh. And Bill Johnson insists, "See, Jesus couldn't be God at that moment because God can't receive authority from anybody." Wow. So, huh. so he he denies the hypostatic union. He denies the deity of Christ. He denies. Uh, uh, the truth about the triune nature of God, and not only the the triune nature of God, but the subordination of roles—not uh, in quality, not in power, not uh, not in deity—but the subordination of roles within the Godhead. The Son obeys the Father. The Son sent the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit brings glory to Christ and pointing man to reconciliation with God. He denies all of that. Okay, and so. Um, any any place that claims to be a church and denies the true Jesus, denies the true gospel, and focuses on uh, uh, what they refer to as angels and, and spirits and what have you, is by definition a cult. Mm. And uh, very far-reaching. I, I spent a couple of winters in uh, Norway, and uh, their tentacles are so far-reaching that the largest churches in Norway, and that's relative, largest, the mega churches in Norway are about five, 600 people, yeah. but they are completely captivated wow. uh, by Bethel Redding, by Jesus culture, which is the propaganda wing 
for uh, for uh, Bethel Redding. Um, and what makes this particular cult so dangerous is you know, when a Jehovah's Witness knocks on your door, you know it. When a Mormon knocks on your door, you know it. Uh, but the leadership of Bethel Redding and some within the New Apostolic Reformation uh, are doing everything they can to, to be mainstream. Uh, they're not wearing purple hair. They're not sitting in gold thrones with 12-inch eyelashes on TBN. Uh, you know, they're, they're not wearing $40,000 worth of bling and they, they look like the folks you would invite over to grill at your house. Mm. Um, they, they dress like your typical, uh, American evangelical pastor or worship leader. Uh, their music is very, very popular, um, even in, even in good churches and they have just enough truth to captivate uh, those who are, you know, either weak-minded or primarily not saved, and uh, certainly, and uh, they spatter a little bit of Jesus. They throw in some signs and wonders. They they throw in gold glitter coming out of the air vents and call it a glory cloud. The glory cloud. Glory. So wait a minute. So a glory cloud is not when you walk into a cigar lounge. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> oh. So I guess that's the difference between them and us. Yeah, right? I, I guess yeah. so. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, King Ginger speaks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you say glory cloud. I'm thinking. Yeah, it's a lounge, <laughs> that's right? Like, that's what. That's what Charles. Uh, one man's glory is another man's haze. Yeah, I guess so. Um, <laughs> well, first I want to say to all that. Um, ain't nobody got time for that. So there's that, and. Uh, Ain't nobody got time for that. But anyway, um, isn't it interesting that um, there, in my, my years of, of being a pastor at a drug rehab, I came across many people who uh, had actually engaged with uh, other spirits, things like that. There's a correlation between uh, pharmacia, uh, the taking of drugs to get into an altered state of consciousness, to communicate with spirits and the dead and all those things. But there there's a, seems to be a correlation between the experience of a person who communicates with the dead and with uh, ultimately demons and, uh, and, and, and these kind of uh, uh, quote-unquote experiences with the Holy Spirit that uh, people in these movements have, like, for example, uh, being seized and not being able to move your body, those sorts of right. things. Uh, uh, Joseph Smith experienced something similar in yep. his quote-unquote quote first vision account where he was seized and he you know, basically was uh, darkness overwhelmed him. He couldn't move, sort of a thing. He was terrified. Uh, there just seems to be some sort of a correlation between a communication with uh, um, an unholy spirit and um, these these uh, movements of the Holy Spirit, um, and, and uh, so that's interesting. I think uh, it'd be a good study to to do. Um, well, you know, Pastor Pastor Jeff, I liken it to spiritual heroin. Okay. Uh, hmm. uh, as you know, with heroin, a person usually gets a the first taste for free. Mm-hmm. And as they become addicted to that, they need a purer form and they need more of it. Mm. And so once these folks are addicted to spiritual heroin, as we see in the New Apostolic Reformation and in Bethel Church, the church has to keep coming up with new and more outlandish things to keep those addicted to it coming mm. back for more. That's interesting. And... Uh, Wow. One of the things they're doing these days is called grave sucking. I was just going to bring that up. Grave sucking. Yeah. What's that? Grave sucking. Well, that's that is uh, modern day necromancy. Mm -hmm. uh, it is where uh, people are encouraged. Uh, Benny Johnson 
the the wife of uh, Bill Johnson and who touts herself as a pastor in the church. Uh, she has posted videos or pictures on Twitter and elsewhere of her laying sprawled on the the headstone or over the grave of some false teacher from generations ago. Finny uh, belie- believing that believing they can soak up the an anointing from the dead heretic. Wow. Uh, who's been dead for a hundred years. Um, she uh, believes that she, she has, if you go look up on uh, YouTube for a, a video by Benny, B-E-N-I, Johnson, called Wakey Wakey, uh, or if you just type Wakey Wakey, W-A-K-E-Y, Wakey Wakey, just type that into Google or on YouTube, you'll find an article in the video, uh, where she believes that she can go out to uh, desert places and wake up territorial angels from their sleep. Uh, so that they could do the work that they're supposed to do. And this is Johnson's wife, correct? Right. And his daughter yeah. isn't his daughter the one that said the Holy Spirit is blue? Yes, the Holy yeah. Spirit. Yeah, Jen Johnson. Yeah. Um, Jen Johnson sat uh, sat up on the stage one night and gave her testimony of of her wonderful relationship to who she refers to as the Holy Spirit, and she said what she loves best about the Holy Spirit is that he's fun. Mm. And the best way she could describe him was as the blue genie of Disney's movie Aladdin. Mm. Well, here we go. (laughs) Okay. And this will kind of probably offend you, but oh well. And the Holy Spirit to me is like the genie from Aladdin. I view the Holy Spirit like the genie from Aladdin. And he's blue. Unplanned. Perfect. And he's funny. And he's sneaky. And he's courageous. And he's everywhere. And he's wonderful. That's who he is to me. And he's funny. And he's sneaky. This is blasphemy. Yeah, it's utter blasphemy. That's what it is. And see, what... what, uh, Go what ahead. what Bethel does they they teach their they have this school called the Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry, uh, and no one from Bethel has been able to answer this question. Can you show me in the Bible where anybody is taught how to receive or employ a gift of the Spirit? We don't see that anywhere in Scripture, but of course. Scripture is secondary to experience. Uh, they're not unlike the Roman Catholic Church in that regard. Uh, they hold up the traditions of men and experience over what the Word of God actually says. Wow. All right, and, guys, uh, hang on, Tony. We're going we're gonna to come out of this sure. segment real fast. Come right back in just a moment, guys. Tony Miano, excellent. Love this brother. Cross Encounters is his radio program. Uh, hit him up, guys. Check him out. And do this. Go to YouTube. Type in Tony Miano Evangelism. Uh, huge blessing. We've been able to minister alongside Tony outside of a Planned Parenthood here in Tempe, Arizona. That was a real gift to be able to do that. And uh, encourage you guys to check him out. Uh, I want you guys to be blessed by the boldness and the clear communication of the gospel, who Christ is, the call to repent and believe. So check him out, guys. Tony Miano. Be right back, guys. ApologiaRadio.com is where you get us. What's up, y'all? This is Jeff Durbin with Apologia 
Radio at ApologiaRadio.com. Want to talk to you guys about an amazing connection that we have right now with Whitfield Theological Seminary. I want you to run over to Whitfield.edu, Whitfield.edu, W-H-I-T-E-F-I-E-L-D.edu. I want you to check out the programs they have. They have undergraduate programs at Whitfield College, and they also have Whitfield Theological Seminary for the graduate degree and above and beyond. I, I think you'll really be impressed with the rigorous nature of the classes the consistent biblical worldview taught and adhered to. I want you to contact Whitfield Theological Seminary at whitfield.edu. Get a hold of our friend, Dr. Kenneth Talbot, and start your classes today. ApologiaRadio.com. No, I'm dreaming. Master! I don't think you quite realize what you got here. So why don't you just ruminate whilst I illuminate the possibilities? Well, Alibaba had them 40 thieves. Sherry's out, he had a thousand tails. But master, you in luck, cause up your sleeves. You got a brand of magic never fails. You got some power in your corner now. Some heavy ammunition in your camp. You got some punch to dance. You got blue and house. All you gotta do is rub that lamp. And I'll say, Mr. Alonzo, silly. He's wonderful. And I view him like the genie from Aladdin. <laughs> I don't know where in my life that just kind of like came up. Maybe when I was like 10, I don't know, but cuz he's there, you know? And he's he's the helper and he's just always supportive and comforting and he's just fun. And he's blue. So, Marcus? Yeah, this really makes me mad. Yeah. Because <laughs> the genie in Aladdin had three things he could not do. He could not make someone fall in love. He could not give you more wishes. And he couldn't raise someone from the dead. Look at you. That's some skills, so, skills right there. If the Holy Spirit is like the genie, the He's, Holy Spirit can't raise people from the dead. God no, can't raise people from so the dead. Jesus is still dead and everything is foolishness. Well, yeah, because the Bible wow. says that if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead... And so the Spirit of God mm -hmm. raised Jesus from the dead. Yes. The Bible says the Father did, the Son did, the Holy Spirit did, and it says God did. So the Spirit of God raised Jesus from the dead. So good call. And Nicely see, this done. Is, that this was excellent. Is, it's some yeah, skills. I'm going to be stealing that all <laughs> over the place. Good. Good. Yeah, good. Belongs, you can have that one, That belongs Tony. outside the doorstep of uh, Bethel, my brother. Yeah. All right. So, hey, let's do this. Those little fun sure. thing uh, to, to come out of that. Let's, uh, hey, Luke, quick thing. Uh, Tony could stay on for this, of course, and we're going to do a bunch more with Tony here, but we thought of a new thing that, um, we're going to do as a yeah. segment on Apologia Radio. You guys can all participate in, we discovered that a lot of our listeners around the world actually listen to Apologia Radio with their kids. And we've come to find out that we actually have a lot of very young fans while we were up yeah. in Canada, a uh, we were in Canada. We had a few people that wanted to take pictures and everything else, you know, which uh, and and uh, they were kids and they listened to the show. And so that's really cool. We got all these kids. So we thought and I'll let you guys explain. What's what's the thing? What's the thing? OK, so we're going to call this letters to the pastor letters to the pastor. So what we want is our uh, kids that listen to our show. We want you guys to write a letter to the pastor. What, what would you say to the pastor? 
Okay. Your pastor. Your pastor. It doesn't have to be myself not, or Doug. Not to us, yeah. Yeah, just letter to the pastor. Send that in to us. We're going to have you send that to glory at apologyofradio.com. Glory. Glory. Glory at apologyofradio.com. <laughs> so you have your kids send the letters. Glory at apologyofradio.com. So I had my four-year-old as an example. My four-year-old wrote a letter to Jeff. Can I say one thing before you read you it? You can. Um, we, in particular, would love very young kids yeah uh, everyone, everyone can write it but yeah we'd love very very young kids i mean you're 17 year old i mean yeah. okay we'll take it we'll take it uh, maybe at, at glory at apologyradio.com yes okay okay so this is from my four-year-old jeff hasn't heard this only i have seen this all right and all right. it's amazing okay so she said uh dear pastor jeff remember nice things like flowers and chocolate <laughs> okay you should go to the library <laughs> do you want to go to home depot <laughs> She loves to go to Home Depot with me. Yeah. Let's go to Target and get popcorn beans so we can have popcorn tonight. Oh, good. <laughs> popcorn I, beans. I don't know why you gave your puppies away. I don't know why you gave your puppies oh, away. Oh, your little she puppies remem- away. She remembers that. Yeah. That's crazy. Now, here's, so mad here's the, here's the best. Jeff, do not preach. Isaac does now. Love, Evie. <laughs> oh, Last week, wow. we had Isaac take over because <laughs> we were in Canada. So. Glory. So, yeah. There you go. There's your first example. Oh, that's beautiful. All right. Yeah. So, guys, send your letters to the pastor to glory at apologyradio.com. We'd love for your young, young kids to write a letter. We'll try to read it on the air. Uh, letters to the pastor, glory at apologyradio.com. All right. So, we're Hold back. On. Before you, I got to tell a story about okay. Evie real quick. I told you this last week. So, she's been going around the house saying, bruh. She'll be like, what? Hurry up, bruh. We're like, what? <laughs> like, why are you saying that? She's like, well, that's, I heard Jeff say that. I guess I said, bro. <laughs> so she's like, I, I don't remember. So she'll be like, she said that to me. She'll be like, uh, hey, can you get me something to eat, bro? <laughs> that's awesome. Hilarious. So just a little insight. Maybe you guys can be praying for along with Luke and I. Uh, so Luke and Cheryl and then Candy, my wife, and I have um, uh, been hoping and praying, and we've already sort of made the connection, um, that uh, our kids get married one day. Oh, I didn't know uh, where you are going with this. Yeah. E- Evie, Evie and uh, Stellar, my son, have uh, been uh, tied together at the hip since they Before were... Before she was born. Yeah, since they were... We've already exchanged camels and goats. Yeah, we've already done the exchange. <laughs> we've done the covenant, grabbed each other high up in the inner thigh, and made the covenant with yeah. one another. I think you have one of my sandals sworn by our loins. Um, <laughs> all right. So, uh, pray for that because that would be awesome. If, <laughs> if Luke and I could share the same grandchildren, that would be epic. Yeah. That would really be epic. Um, so, uh, Hey, hey uh, Luke, um, and I were in Florida, uh, for the Herald society. It's actually the second Herald society that I've done, uh, alongside Tony Miano. And uh, I'm going to play a portion of a clip. We're going to talk about two things here. Uh, one is uh, the, the nature of the local church and its responsibility to send out uh, people for the mission of the gospel, uh, but also the necessity to have the local church as part of your ministry of outreach. But here's a portion of the, of, of the sermon. Uh, Pastors, where are your evangelists? It's up on YouTube on Jeff Rose's channel. You can listen to the whole thing. It really, really impacted Pastor Luke. Um, he was affected by it greatly. I'm going to play you a, uh, a very good portion of this right now. How long will he allow your lampstand to be lit when you won't let the light go outside the four walls of your church?
I know of what I speak. I was such a man. A man who spent 18 months being examined by the elders of his church, seeking a call to serve the church as an evangelist. And at the end of that time of deep probing, probing thoughtful examination, the elders to a man, every one of them said, we affirm, Tony, that God has called you to preach the gospel in the open air. And we think you should do it somewhere else. I said, we think you should do it somewhere else, Tony. We think you should go find a church that supports that kind of evangelistic ministry. All right, so that was uh, Tony Miano in Florida at the Herald Society. I encourage you guys to, to check out that sermon. It's about an hour long, and it's really, really powerful. I was tremendously blessed uh, to hear it. Tony, let's, let's start at the bottom. One of the things that you first began uh, talking about was the authority of the local church um, in the area of evangelism and the being sent. Can you, can you talk about that? Uh, because we live in a culture of um, sort of um, people that believe, you know, it's I, 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 it's me and Jesus all the way. It's just it's just about me and Jesus. There's not necessarily any any God ordained authorities in my life that would have the right to to actually send me, lay hands on me, be a part of this that I'm doing. So talk about that. The importance of the local church in in the sending process and uh, being involved in our ministry. Sure. Uh, you know, as we as we look at the the Greek word keruso, uh, which literally means to preach, uh, used some sixty times throughout the New Testament, uh, it is always used in the context of the bold, uh, open proclamation, the heralding of the gospel in a public way, and in that we do not see a single instance throughout the book of Acts, throughout the New Testament, where a man was engaged in that kind of biblical activity as a nomad. We don't see in, in a single instance a, a Christian man going out to herald the gospel in the open air to preach authoritatively uh, the truth of, of Scripture who was not sent by the apostles, by the elders of the church to do so. Now, we see throughout the New Testament Christians of every stripe sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, making Christ known, risking their lives, uh, going to their death, saying, I will not deny Christ. We see that throughout Scripture. We see that throughout history. Every Christian is commanded by God to engage in biblical evangelism. But not everyone in the church is sent by the leadership of the church with the specific task of heralding the gospel in the open air. It's, it's not a distinction of class. Uh, it's not that the open air preacher is somehow a super evangelist and everyone else are peon evangelists in the body of Christ. It, it's not a distinction of class. It is simply a distinction of role. And the men who were sent, 
to engage in that kind of biblical evangelistic activity were men who were examined by the leadership of the church at that time uh, prior to being sent. Uh, a great example uh, of where we see in Scripture both happening, where we see uh, the Christians dispersed due to persecution, uh, declaring the truths of Scripture, sharing the gospel everywhere they went, showing how God used the persecution of the early church to spread the gospel throughout the known world. And in the very next verse, the uh, Scripture talks about a specific man who was sent in the capacity of a herald to do the work of an evangelist. And that's in Acts 8, I believe, verses 4 and 5, where it talks about the Christians who are dispersed and Philip the evangelist, who was sent into Samaria, Samaria uh, to preach from town to town, to preach the gospel in the open air. And so the, there's, no, there's no biblical precedence, there's no historic precedence, uh, post-apostolic era, for a man calling himself to the ministry, qualifying himself for the ministry, um, examining himself to see if he is fit for the ministry, and then sending himself out either to plant a church or to do the work of an evangelist or to engage in open-air ministry, open-air preaching. Okay. So I think that's important uh, to discuss because we first want to acknowledge the, uh, the healthy burden a person may feel to, to go out and uh, to declare the gospel and, and herald it, proclaim it publicly and everything else. That's, that's a healthy thing. Uh, God, praise God for it. But right. the, we have to always ask ourselves, is this in line with what God uh, calls us to do and to be as Christians? That has to be asked by us because, um, you know, of course we know, as Van Til said, God can strike a straight blow with a crooked stick. And so has God used the ministry and the open-air proclamation of people who have not walked in line with Scripture. Of course, God is sovereign, yep. and He does what He does, and the gospel is the power of God and His salvation. But we have to ask the question, what is God calling us to do and to be as a church? And so you have, um, I think, uh, an, an important role, Tony, as somebody that um, is, is a leader in open-air preaching um, and uh, does this in a way that glorifies God. You have, we have, you have an important role in being able to, to encourage young men who feel called to do this sort of a thing to do it in a biblical way. And, um, and so you get a chance to talk to them right now. They're listening. They want to do this in a God-glorifying way. What would you say to them or the steps that they need to take to make sure they're doing this in a way that glorifies Christ and honors Him? Well, I, I think uh, the first step would be to ask their apology, uh, to ask for their apology if, uh, if I have ever influenced them in any way to go out and herald the gospel in the open air without first talking to their pastor and elders. Um, for years, I did that. Uh, for years, we, uh, those of us who, for better or for worse, are considered leaders in open air preaching, while saying that we love the local church, we were actually undermining the authority of the leadership of the local church because we were qualifying men, we were calling men, we were equipping men to be open-air preachers, uh, not taking into any consideration at all what their life was actually like in their local church. Uh, and uh, we probably had a hand in shipwrecking the faith of a number of men and women as well. I did that uh, right because, alongside of you, Tony. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was, yeah, 
yeah, I, I'm not carrying all the burden, certainly, but right. I'm, but I got plenty to carry, right? Um, because the Lord, uh, the Lord did have me in a position, has had me in a position where it, when I say things and do things, again for better or for worse, some people listen to that, and it just it just shows how weighty James three one is that you know none of us should presume to be teachers, mm. and those of us who do should expect a stricter judgment when we're wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a huge responsibility in that. That's right. And so... Can, can I say something, Tony, real fast? Sure. Can you address this? Yeah. Um, you brought it up, and I think that if someone wants to have something underneath them to stand on and understand why, you talked about taking not taking into consideration their life um, in their local church and in their families. Um, you, you, you qualifying them to ministry, but without taking that into consideration. Because, because the danger is, is if we presume to be called by God to do this sort of a ministry outside of the realm of the authority of the local church and the accountability of the local church, we actually pose a risk of destroying others, shipwrecking the faith of others, destroying our own wives and kids, our homes, um, because we're not able to be called to accountability. Um, if our life goes off the rails and we are doing quote unquote ministry outside of the context of a biblically defined ministry, then, then we, we are, we're not held to accountability. Nobody can call us out. Nobody can say, you need to get this right. Nobody can say, wait a minute, how's your family? Like you don't have any right being out on the street right now. If your family isn't being cared for and shepherded. And by the way, if somebody involves himself in ministry without accountability of the local church, they can't be confronted in their behavior right. that they engage in in public ministry. That's right. That's so, right. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, the, one of the things that, that could be so damaging to a, to a young man who feels a call, senses a call to open-air preach, has zeal, uh, and the desire to do that, uh, but yet his pastor and his elders have been working with him for years uh, to fight the fight the enemy of pride in his own heart. And then you take some popular open air preachers who say, "Hey, man, you you really sounded good up there. You should be an open air preacher." We're completely contradicting the work the elders are trying to do in this young man's life wow, yeah. by setting him up to fall even further wow. into pride yep. by by doing that. And and there have been so many men uh, out there open air preaching who have allowed open air preaching to become a mistress. Oh wow! Hey, talk, uh, to be, talk about that. That that mm. cut me hard when you preached that in uh, Philadelphia. Yeah. The. the there, there are men who are so zealous to open air preach who really believe they're called to that kind of ministry that they ignore the first ministry they've been given if they are a married man, and that is to their wife and their children. Yeah. God has not called a single man to love evangelism as Christ loves evangelism. Mm. He has oh. called every man who is married to love his wife as Christ loves the church. And too many times I've seen it happen where the man has allowed open-air preaching to become a whore, mm. to become a mistress, mm. to become an adulteress, and he's committing adultery with ministry against his wife. Now, we don't, 
unless we are involved in that man's life, unless we are part of his local assembly, uh, even as just as brothers and, and maybe not in a leadership position, if we don't have that kind of close familial church relationship with him and and we don't know that he's struggling to love his wife and to, and to have his house in order and to minister to his family the way he should – and then we put him up on the box in the open air. It's like we're giving him money to pay for the prostitute. Oh. oh. Wow. See? Yes. Yeah. And 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 I and I was guilt and I was guilty of that. I I was guilty of wow. doing that. And and it breaks my heart to this to this day. And and so banging this drum uh of calling open air preachers back to the local church, it's not a form of penance for me, but it's an aspect of my repentance for the mistakes I've made uh, in who knows how many lives by encouraging men to open air preach without first telling them to go and be examined by their elders. And we've seen a lot of open air preachers through the years that have just gone the nomad way. Yeah. And, you know, even, you know, left their families and stuff for it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and and uh, not only that, but you know we've seen we've seen uh, a number of men turn complete apostate, who were once wow. well-regarded men in yep. the open-air preaching community, but became a law unto themselves, bought the lie of club frustration. There are no churches that understand me, and set out and called themselves not only as open-air preachers, but called themselves of pastors of little open-air preaching enclaves that they call house churches. Uh, where they're the supreme authority, uh, where they answer to no one, and uh, and they're full-on Pelagians and heretics of other forms out on the streets, college campuses, preaching the gospel in the open air, wow. um, who were encouraged by open-air preachers to do that, which their pastors probably wouldn't have had them do in the first place. Did you know the guys that started the cult in Texas? I, I don't know them personally. Uh, you're referring to the Church of Wells, uh, they were known uh, prior to starting uh, this cult. They were known as uh, I don't know if they they were given this nickname. We have a tendency in open air preaching circles to give people nicknames, um, you know, for wrong reasons. Uh, I don't know if they they were called this or they called themselves this. They were known as the Texas Boys, and they were initially sent out by their local church to do street ministry, to do open air preaching, uh, but over time. Uh, they decided that they didn't need to be under the authority of their local church. They struck out on their own and almost immediately started developing aberrant theologies. Uh, I know of uh, one uh, trusted and beloved family uh, into whose home they were welcomed uh, because there are people throughout the United States uh, who love open-air preaching and open-air preachers and will open their doors wide for an open-air preacher coming into town to uh, provide them with room and board and love and care. So they took advantage of more than one family, got into the house, and used this, what they believe was this gift, built on an eisegetical treatment of a verse in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, that they could simply look at a person and tell whether or not they were born again. Mm. Wow. Wow. All right, guys. Yeah. Tony, save that for a second. Be right back, guys. More Alrighty. with Tony Miano. King Ginger, the bear, the ninja. ApologiaRadio.com. <laughs>
Hi, I'm Les. And I'm Tanner. And we're the hosts of the Reformed Pubcast. A weekly podcast where two friends get together and talk about the things that they love. It's like all those times you talked about theology over a pint of beer with your friends, but we're just dumb enough to record it. It's a theology of Calvin and the thirst of Luther. Join in on the conversation by subscribing on iTunes or your favorite podcast catcher. It's the Reformed Pubcast. That's where you get us, guys. Pick up the app on Google Play, on the iTunes Store. And uh, we're back with uh, Tony Miano talking about the authority of the local church and sending. We're talking about the call uh, to proclaim the gospel. Uh, and, uh, I mean, this is really powerful stuff right now. So, Tony, there was a, another part of your, of your message, and it had to do with pastors uh, sending. So Luke, uh, talk to Tony about that. Cause that really impacted you. Um, you were really, uh, taken in by that. So talk to Tony about that. Well, yeah, for starters, I, when you shared the story, which we played the clip earlier about, you, you know, your story about training for, or being examined for 18 months. And then they said, you can do this, but go elsewhere. I was completely floored by that. I, I just thought that was the most stupidest thing I've ever heard, uh, coming from a pastor. Um, so, so that I was really impacted by, but I mean, you're so right. Just there's, there's no, there's so few churches that are actually equipping and training people to go out and, and do the work of evangelism. Um, and so I, I was completely fired up when I heard you <laughs> preaching at pastors. Um, so just talk about that. I want, I want to, I want I want you to preach again. <laughs> okay. Uh, the, uh, yeah, it was a it was a twofold message. Uh, certainly, the the bulk of the message was spent on uh, asking uh, men who were already out on the street or men who were thinking about hitting the streets uh, if they have been sent by their church. It's it's not enough. It is not enough for a man to simply sense a call to do ministry as that being all the validation one needs to do it. Uh, unfortunately, uh, American evangelicalism operates that way in, in so many churches mm. where a guy just feels like, hey, you know what, I think I'm going to go start a church. Right. And he goes, starts a church, and and maybe it's things are fine for a few months, and then within a year it becomes the church of the poison mind. You know, and he just, because he went off of his own perceived call. Mm. God has given the local church to the body of Christ and a structured local church, not a structure, not a building, but a structured right. local church for the building up of the bride of Christ, for the protection of the bride of Christ, for the nurturing of the bride of Christ, for the love of the bride of Christ, and a call to ministry should be affirmed by the leadership of the local church, by pastors and elders who, who should 
know the man well enough in their midst to be able to ask him the hard questions, to know what his home life is like, to know whether or not he is he is humbly and submissively serving within the local body. Um, as I've often said, if you're not willing to clean a toilet in your church, you don't belong on the streets preaching the gospel. Amen. But t- but Tony, there yeah. are there are babies dying all over the place. Yes, we've already been commanded to love our neighbor. Yes, we don't have time to wait eighteen months. Well, babies are yeah. dying. Yeah. That, that's the challenge, yeah. right? People yeah. yeah. That that is that is a challenge. Yes. And uh but you don't have to wait 18 months to go outside of an abortuary and minister and speak the truth in love and plead with people not to murder their children and to hand out tracts and to hold a sign and to pray or to go out alongside men who are open air preaching. See that it it is a it is fallacious. Uh, and, and I know, I know, Marcus, the, you're, the impetus for the question is just to get me to talk about this, so I'm not pointing a finger at you. But it, it, is, it is fallacious for a person, for a man to say, look, if, if I have to wait 18 months to receive a call from my church to open air preach, then I'm not doing ministry for 18 months. Hmm. Well, if the only way you can do evangelistic ministry is by open air preaching— and the rest, uh, the other forms of biblical evangelism are beneath you, you're too proud and arrogant to be an open-air preacher. Oh, that's good. Right? There, there are many ways that you could fight the murder of the unborn without standing in front of an abortuary with your Bible open and preaching and preaching a sermon. Yeah, you know, it, it, there are many ways you can go about fighting the good fight in the trenches without open-air preaching as we see preaching, open-air preaching biblically and historically. But unfortunately, there are men out there who think, well, I've been called to be an open-air preacher, and I'm not going to wait around to be qualified to do that because, you know, babies are dying and people are dying and going to hell. God doesn't need you to save anybody anyways. Hmm. He uses, we are instruments, we are a means to his predetermined end as we declare the gospel. But he doesn't need you to be an open-air preacher to save babies' lives and to reach the lost with the gospel. He can use you in many other ways to do that on the street, in the field of battle, in front of these, these death camps. And so if you're, operating, if you're operating under the assumption that the only way you could fight the good fight out on the streets as if you're an open-air preacher. You are thinking more highly of yourself than you should. Mm. And, and, and the mindset um, of the person who says, say, for example, you have abortion mill ministry. They say, well, my local church isn't on board yet, so I'm just, I'm just going out anyways. I'm becoming this, th- you know, this, this, uh, they become a law unto themselves. And what tends to happen, this, this, I've seen this occur, is rather than going to their church and uh, ministering in some way, in the abortion mill ministry, but trying to convince their local church of the need for this kind of a ministry and calling their elders to take a look at it and, you know, really saying, look, look at the, look at the benefit of this, look at the fruit of this kind of a ministry, look at the need for this kind of ministry. Rather than trying to reform the church from the inside to see the need for this kind of ministry, people have become disillusioned and they, and they, they, they go to these say mills uh, all on their lonesome and, and, and become open air preachers. And, and what happens, and I've seen this occur, 
occur, and I've talked to many people who have done this, is they end up abandoning the church, warring against the bride of Christ, and starting what they call house churches in their mm-hmm. homes that end up being ultimately not a church with a biblical functioning government with um, with with more than one issue being the issue. It just becomes essentially an abortion mill ministry clique that calls right. itself a church. Yeah. And there's right there's the danger. Rather yeah. than reforming the church from the inside, seeing the need for this kind of ministry, coming alongside other ministries that are doing this. And I think that that's a real danger because that becomes a cult. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And, and and I agree with you, Pastor. And we are seeing that happen. And I'm sure we're thinking about similar groups, similar people. We've seen that happen. Uh, I also think, too, that that the, the person who the man who feels that he's called to open air preach and, and feels that he can't wait the 18 months or the six months or the or the, the six days to be affirmed by his church uh, to go out and, and preach. Uh, and so he has to go do it on his own. I think that's a bit of a false dichotomy. I, I think there is something that the pride of a man will not allow him to consider. And that's that the elders of the church may agree with you that there should be men on the streets preaching the gospel. The church may agree with you that supporting the local crisis pregnancy center, if it's a biblical one, is a good thing, but we should be doing more and we should be out there on the streets. The the man who thinks he's called to do these things, his elders may think, yes, these things should be done, but you're not the man. Mm. You're not Ooh. the man to do it. That's powerful. And are, and are you ready to hear that is the question to ask. Yes, yeah, right. Yeah, and right. and most men are not because because they 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 claim to be objective about the word of God. They claim to be objective uh, regarding their beliefs and regarding their doctrines, but when it comes to the internal call, they go completely subjective. Mm. And well, I feel this way, so it must be of God. And if people don't agree with me, well, they don't get it. They're wrong, and I've got to answer the call of God. Instead of instead of humbly considering, maybe I'm not the man. Hmm. Maybe I'm not the one to lead the abortion clinic ministry, because I honest, I can't I can't start at a one and work my way up to a ten. Hmm. I have to start at a twelve. And beg for forgiveness as I back down to a ten. Mm-hmm. Mm. Maybe I'm maybe I'm I'm too angry a man to do that, you know. And again, going back, maybe my house isn't in order. Maybe I'm not mature enough. Maybe I don't know how to rightly divide the word yet. Mm. Maybe my pastors don't have the confidence that I should be leading this kind of ministry because I only show up at church one once every six weeks because I'm out there doing my own thing. Oh wow, yeah, big one, yeah, that's yeah. a big one. And 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 back to back to what Luke was saying, you know, regarding pastors sending the men you know that while the bulk of the message was you know are have you been sent uh, i finished the message talking to the pastors gathered and asking them the question who are you sending Mm -hmm. because there there is not a single biblical argument that can be made against raising up men and sending them out as modern day lollards to herald the gospel in the open air. They can make pragmatic arguments, they can make social arguments, they can make arguments of convenience, but they cannot make a biblical argument against it. And so the question is, why aren't you doing it if it's biblical? Well, we just don't believe that's the way to reach people with the gospel. It doesn't matter what you believe, Pastor. What matters is whether or not what you believe is true. Right. And so if you're not raising men up, if you're, and I'm not saying that's the only way, 
But if, if, if a man is, if a man comes to you and says, pastor, I, I, I feel called, I feel led to do this kind of ministry. Are you brushing him aside? Are you ignoring him? Are you discouraging him from, from what could very well be a legitimate call from the Holy Spirit, from God to do that? Then you need to examine your own heart and ask yourself the question, pastor, what are you afraid of? Uh, are you are you afraid of of this man being in front of the abortion clinic, ruining your reputation mm. as a popular pastor in the community? Mm. Are are you concerned that that uh, if your open air preacher finds himself in trouble, not because he's not because he's intentionally out there causing trouble, but because he's facing real persecution for proclaiming the gospel? Are you concerned? what might happen to the reputation of your church if you stand beside a man who was sent to jail for preaching the gospel? The problem then isn't with the prospective open-air preacher, Pastor. The problem is with you, mm. your, your, your love of self and, and, your, and your love of your reputation is clouding your judgment about at least examining this man to see if he is in fact qualified to publicly preach the gospel in the open air. And pastor, if that's you, I, I lovingly and respectfully say to you that you must repent. Mm. You must repent of that. Powerful words. All right, guys. Take all that in. It's important stuff to hear. It really is. The church reformed and always what? Reforming. Always reforming. And so it's not to say that God hasn't worked mightily in the midst of people moving away from the standard, the Word of God. It's to say as Christians, we're always to be examining ourselves, our traditions, our pursuits, and lining them up with what is the standard. Jesus says in John 17, 17, Father, sanctify them by your truth. Thy Word is truth. It's the standard. So guys, Take it in again. Think about it. Pray about it. And stay with us right after this. ApologiaRadio.com. So we get an episode. You can join with us in ministry by grabbing an episode from ApologiaRadio.com, sharing it on all your social media. Let everyone know about what God is doing here through this ministry of the gospel. Let's participate together and bring the good news of Christ and his kingdom salvation only through him to the ends of the earth. Be right back. Who are you? Who am I? The name's Yukon Cornelius. The greatest prospector in the north! This is my land, and you know, it's rich with gold. Gold! Gold and silver! Silver and gold! Speaking of silver and gold, Marcus, your beard looks amazing. Your beard looks amazing. Are you using Yukon's beard by I chance? am using Yukon's beard every single day. It's made of essential oils, and it helps me get rid of beard drift. And it smells great, too. We really want to thank our sponsors, Yukon's Beard, and we want to encourage all of our listeners to go to yukonsbeard.com 
and you can order some of this amazing, magical, mystical beard oil that will change your life and your beard forever. So Yukonsbeard.com, it'll change your life. Hi, this is Warner with the Paul Geo Radio. I want to ask for y'all good friends of ours to go on and click that button there and become my friends on the book face. Facebook backslash Apology Radio. Become my friend on YouTube. That there uh, twerker. The twerker. I want to talk to you on the twerking. And send me out a twerk. What? Wait, what? Twitter. Apology Radio on Twitter. And also want to tell you we talk about apologetics and theology. And we do a lot of swing dancing, and we make a delicious chicken gravy. PaulJRadio.com You know what I love, Marcus? What's that? I love... His ginger beard? I love his beard. But I love... the Catholicity... of the Reformed faith. Did you just say Catholicity? Catholicity meaning the universal-ness of it. I about left. Yeah, (laughs) I was about to bounce. (laughs) Um... It's it's a beautiful thing to have unity amongst brothers and sisters in Christ. And the Reformed faith is obviously the biblical faith, the the, the Orthodox faith. It's the it's the faith, right? And um, I love the Catholicity, the commitment to the essential core things that guard uh, the Scriptures as the infallible rule of faith that guard the glory of God and salvation, that guard um, the exclusive nature of the gospel, that guard the grace of God and salvation. But I love the unity of the faith. Like, for example, here we are. We're, we're Reformed Baptists, and no. you're, you're— Oh, oh, you are yeah, Reformed Baptists. Yeah, we are, and you're, you're, Presbyter- <laughs> you're Presbyterian. That's right. And, uh, and uh, but they're, they're— You let me join your church. Yeah, that's right. And the beautiful thing, Marcus, is this is when does any conflict come up theologically that's meaningful really at all between between us when does any conflict that come come up between us as brothers in the lord we're unified around the gospel yes. and who god is and what the word of god is yes. we don't have collisions boom boom right. boom that that blow up the work of the ministry and the kingdom yeah. of God. And you're going to uh, have baptism Sunday. Yes. And I'm going to be very excited about it. That's right. Because it's awesome. Baptizing, so baptized. That's right. That's praise God. Yeah. And, and so the, the unity of the faith. Not babies. Let me just say that. Yeah. <laughs> the unity of the faith. You, you, might, you might bring in a fight there. Um, we, the unity of the faith is a glorious thing. And I want to say something that's amazing too. Is um, So I'm going I'm to read this text because it's very, very important. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? 
because his own deeds were evil and his brothers righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that we, the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. This is very powerful. 1 John chapter 3, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God has, was made manifest among us that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this, in this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be a propitiation for our sins. So this is the mark of a Christian. The world will know you are my disciples by your love for one another. And it's a beautiful thing that here we have on this one program— uh, Presbyterian, Baptists, but also there are distinctions and differences between Tony, um, some of his, some of his uh, cherished beliefs and, and, and our cherished beliefs. But here's the thing. We are unified together right. on the mission of the gospel, the word of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I wanted to talk about the necessity as brothers and sisters in Christ to love one another in word and in deed to truly love one another. And to check our hearts, if we are on mission for the kingdom of God, we have to ask ourselves the question, are we trying to build our kingdom? Is it about us and our clique, or is it about the glory of Christ and his gospel? And we are under obligation by God to love each other despite the differences. It doesn't mean we can't argue about them. It doesn't mean we can't disagree. It means that we recognize the core issues that join us together and unify us and we do not allow allow side issues right. to destroy the body of Christ and our mission of the gospel. So, Tony, I wanted to maybe have you talk about that for a moment, the, the need for us as brothers and sisters in Christ to love one another, particularly in ministry. Yeah, you know, Pastor, when, uh, when you and I were uh, exchanging messages on Facebook uh, this morning about, uh, you know, me asking, you know, what do you want to talk about, and, and you brought this up, uh, I, uh, I immediately felt uncomfortable and, uh, and I almost instantaneously knew why. And it's because that I really can't speak to this issue with any integrity until I do something. And that's apologize to Marcus. Um, I've known Marcus for about 10 years. He's driven me nuts most of that time. <laughs> but because of because of public exchanges on on Facebook and and other things, I allowed a bitterness in my heart to grow towards Marcus. Um and I've been in sin because of that. And so, Marcus, I, I want to ask for you to forgive me, please. Absolutely. For, it's done. For not, for not loving you as a brother, for not loving you as an older brother should love a younger brother. Uh, I'm sorry. And uh, I, really couldn't, I, I really couldn't even discuss this at all. And in fact, I even tried to get out of it uh, with you, Pastor, by saying you really should talk to Bobby McCreary about this because I knew of the sin I was harboring in my own heart towards Marcus. And so, Marcus, I'm sorry. Wow. Oh, you're forgiven, man. No problem. And you added me Thanks. as a friend on Facebook before the show. <laughs> yeah, well, 
Wow. Yeah, and we know, and we know because I added you a friend on Facebook. That's everything a, a, I'm telling you is true. It's absolutely <laughs> so. true because what happens on Facebook is real life. Yeah, yeah, but no, wow. it, it, uh, with all seriousness, um, yeah, I've, I've, I've failed. I have failed to love Marcus. Yeah, uh, the way I should. But uh, for, you know, you know, Tony, like I, I've been, you know, over the past few years, like I used to be like really crazy on Facebook too, like really crazy. But then I just realized it doesn't matter. God's going to win the theological arguments in the end. And uh, we're just going to just keep fighting and doing the, the what, what God's called us to do. And I think a lot of that just comes with like, you know, maturity as you grow. You just realize that, you know, the cage stages aren't as important as you yeah. think they are. <laughs> yeah. And, and so I've, I've, I've toned down a lot over the past few years myself and so yeah i mean i think in in ha praise god for this moment um but I, I obviously talking about this nobody nobody sitting at this table none of us have done this per we're rotten miserable failures outside of christ we've got nothing to boast of so i, I wanted to bring this up tony because i think the love we have for one another and the unity of our faith and the unity of our mission is something that people need to, to look at. And I, and I hope because of what God has done, learn from um, and say, look, like the, the important things are the important things. Like, yeah. you know, and the side issues, those are issues that we're supposed to hash out together as Christians within, within the house of God. But not, it's not supposed to be something that divides us because the Reformed faith is glorious. But at the same time, the Reformed faith at the moment is, is divided in so many ways yeah. that it ought, it ought not to be. And, um, and so I think it's, it's important for us to talk about that. Yeah, no, yeah, I agree. It's very important. And, um, you know, we all use social media. Um, I, I believe the apostle Paul would use social media. Mm. I, I, I know he would do it a lot better than me. Um, but, <laughs> but I have no, I have no doubt that the apostle Paul would be all over the media. He'd be all over television. He'd be all over Facebook. He'd be all over Twitter. Um, he would. He, would he every would, tweet be canon? He he would he would well yeah he wouldn't add anything new but he uh, good question. It's a good question but, though. Yeah yeah. What, but what, I, what every I, what every tweet be canon? That's yes. that's true oh, right? Every yeah, tweet right. be canon. Yeah. yeah. Whatever tweet be but canon. but I believe he would definitely use it because he was all about knowing nothing but Christ and Him crucified. Mm. And so if he could have communicated the gospel to millions in seconds, he would have done that 2,000 years ago. I believe he would have done it today. I absolutely agree with you. Yeah. But that's one of the reasons it, we set up Apologia Studio. Yeah. Amen. Is to really reach the gospel Amen. on a yeah. huge platform. Tony, you said but. Yeah. You were, were going to say yeah. something. Well, that. The, the, the but in all that is is that you know, social media is a, certainly a double-edged sword. Yeah. And it is it is so easy to sin on social media because even if you're using your real name and your real picture, you have a level of anonymity and protection because you're sitting in front of a screen mm -hmm. and not across the table from the person you're slamming. Right, right. And and I I I, I think I, I think sadly nowhere else is the. Uh, the uh, condition of our heart more revealed than what we say on social media. Boom. Mm. Yes. 
Yes, yes, yes. Um, and it's it's out of the abundance of our heart yep. that we tweet. It's out of the abundance of our heart that we write blogs. It's out of the abundance of our heart that we do YouTube videos. It's out of the abundance of our heart that we use Facebook. And uh, Preach. man, that, that's that's painful. Yes. Yeah, that, that's painful for me to say because I'm saying it about me. Um, out of the abundance of the heart, I open my laptop. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think it's something we all have to consider. And regard, regardless of what our eschatological constructs might be, uh, at the moment, uh, the true body of Christ only has the true body of Christ uh, for love and support and care. And we ought not be cannibalizing each other. Hmm. Um, and at the same time, though, I, I don't think we should use that as an excuse not to call a spade a spade, not to call sin a sin, right. not to call false teaching out. Right. But for I, I treat I treat Facebook a lot different, or different than I think a lot of people do. I treat Facebook like my living room, um, not like not like the public square where I'm open air preaching. You know, when when I when I step out onto the public square and I open my mouth, I invite everyone and anyone to say whatever they want, however they want to me. But I, but the, but I don't do that with Facebook. Uh, my Facebook page is a benevolent dictatorship. You're coming into my living room, and you can agree or disagree with me, but if you start insulting me, if you start saying things uh, about me that my wife and my children are going to see, I'm not going to allow it. Right. I'm not going to allow it. And, and, and here's, you know, I have a lot of Facebook followers, um, but I don't have a lot of Facebook friends hmm. because my friends on Facebook, if I air, they're not going to slap me across the face in a public post. They're going to private message me and say, Tony, I think you aired. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My followers, quote unquote followers, yeah, they'll slap me across the face publicly because I don't have any real relationship with them. Mm -hmm. We're bots. We're all bots hmm. in, in a technological world. I mean, we're. You know, we're what? What is the what is the movie? And say, I don't know if it's the Matrix or or what is the one where they're all riding motorcycles in the computer? What was that? Tron. Tron. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Yeah. We're we're all playing Tron <laughs> on social media, but those of us who are actually friends with one another, we we foster relationship. We enjoy relationship through social media. We connect from hundreds, if not thousands, of miles away. And, and, and I love meeting people for the first time when I'm in a city preaching or at a conference or something like that and actually being able to put faces to names of people that I've actually made authentic friendships with through social media. But none of those people slap me across the face publicly when I err. And and if they're really my friends, I'm not slapping them either. Um, not if I really love them. Not if I really care about them. Right. We we handle those things privately. Yes. But yet, it's so easy. It's so easy to fall to to miss the mark, to fall short on social media, and forget that we're talking to real people. That's right. 
that that we're we're not simply we're not simply answering the war games computer want to have a game of chess <laughs> you know, we're oh you just went you went to the 80s right there the solution is not yeah. to play yeah. yeah yeah some of us can go there yes and <laughs> oh i can i know i grew up on that film. that's right yeah. that's right yeah yeah but but we but so often we can fall short and we can treat each other as if we're just talking to a computer yeah and not flesh and bones and sinew and a heart and feelings and emotions hearts that can be broken um you know, people that can actually be hurt. Yeah. And man, I've hurt a lot of people on social media. I, I've hurt you guys before on social media because of being like Peter, uh, act now, think later, Peter. Mm. And uh, saying the first thing that comes to mind without sending it through all kinds of biblical filters mm. and forgetting that I'm talking to people I claim to love and I'm supposed to love. Uh, while not really considering them before I let the abundance of my heart speak mm. through a computer keyboard. Wow. Wow. Oh, thanks, Tony. So uh, we're running out of time, but I wanted to touch on this very important thing, and I think it goes well. It dovetails very, very well with what you brought up at the beginning, Tony, about Bethel. And uh, let me read this first. Uh, uh, Deuteronomy 18, uh, verse 9. When you come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not learn to follow the abominable practices of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone who burns his son or da his daughter as an offering, anyone who practices divination or tells fortunes or interprets omens or a sorcerer or a charmer or a medium or a necromancer or one who inquires of the dead. For whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord. And because these abominations, the Lord your God is driving them out before you. You should be blameless before the Lord your God. Now check it out. This is a new trend, or not new, but it's a, it's a big trend right now. Um, it is communication with demons and trying to... Um, yeah summon the demons uh mtv just posted this article it is over the moral day weekend news broke that youths all over the world were taking part in the charlie charlie challenge an old mexican tradition that involves summoning a demon using pencils paper and the words charlie charlie are you here its validity of course is still in question but we are we at mtv news are huge fans of any childhood game that involves summoning the servants of Lucifer. Yay, wow. MTV. One, wow. Bloody Mary. Two, and they give you tips on how to summon Bloody Mary, how to summon Pazuzu, how to summon Lamashtu, how to summon Fremost, how to summon Belphegor, how to summon Laughing wow. Jack, how to summon Slenderman, how to summon Smile Dog, how to summon Jeff the Killer. And so these are, and it gives you tips, sends you to sites on how to summon these demonic things, and it's a popular current trend. The Word of God warns God's people to not communicate with the spirits, to not engage in spiritism, necromancy, divination, all these things, telling of fortunes. Because here's, the, here's why. Because what you are communicating with, who you are communicating with, is not the dead spirit that you think. Mm -hmm. You are communicating with a demon. And I can tell you right now, quickly, in my years again as a chaplain, as a pastor at a hospital, I was face-to-face -face with evil. I can no tell you yeah. stories, and I, I've, I've called Pastor Luke after one particular story. The moment it happened, I called him immediately to let him know that I was just in the presence of the enemy in a way I did not expect. I mean, real demonic 
opposition. I was speaking to a girl that had engaged in spiritism and communication with spirits as, as, um, as a result of her father who raised her in a Christian home, abandoning her mother and going off to be with another woman. She rebelled against him by getting into what he hated his whole life and taught them to avoid. She began to get into spiritism, communicating with dead spirits, and she got more than she bargained for. And when I was in this room with this girl, I began to pray for her, not anticipating to pray for um, the issue she had, but really for the gospel, for her salvation. And immediately the room was filled up with a tangible evil presence. I felt so much hatred fill the room up and fall upon me. It terrified me initially. It made the hairs on my neck stand up. It came out of nowhere. And I had to pray with all of my heart for this girl and the demonic possession that she was in. I didn't expect it, didn't anticipate it, and I had to pray for this girl. She ended up coming to Christ and being freed from this. And about two weeks after this event, I never said anything to her when it happened. When she came to Christ and she was going back to California, I asked her in the room before she left. I said, hey, do you remember when I was in the room with you when you started to pray? I said, did you notice something in the room that day? She started crying in front of me. She said, Mm. I thought that I was the only one that felt that. She goes... It was unbelievable. I said, tell me what you, what you describe, what you felt. And she said, I felt the room fill up with so much hatred. She said, Mm. all I felt was hate, hate on me, hate on you. It was a, it was a terrible thing. And it was as a result of this girl engaging in communication with the dead. And that is a popular trend now amongst our young people. Um, and I think, uh, interestingly her, and the reason why in the beginning, Tony, I said this to you about being seized, her story, mm. her story to me about how this all began was her being in her bed one night and she was seized on her bed, could not move and wow. felt lit up. And, uh, that was the experience she had first with this demonic spirit. Yeah. sounds exactly, sounds exactly what, uh, what, um, Bill Johnson claims to have experienced Interesting. That led him to make all the changes. Interesting. Uh, amazing. Yeah, and uh, Pastor, uh, maybe you'd agree with this as well. Uh, you know, the doing ministry a lot on the streets and in different places, different contexts. That kind of evil for me is most palpable. Uh, unlike any other place I've I've ministered, uh, is is outside of an abortion abortion clinic. clinic yes. 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 I mean, yes. It, it's it it is that kind of evil and hate. Is that palpable? Yeah. And as you've seen many, many times, and and the rest of your team uh, comes out of the people yes. uh, who who come there. It's just tragic. Yes. Yes, it is. All right. Hey, do you have, do you yeah. have time? Do you I, have we time have about another two. We have another two or three minutes. Yes. Okay. All right. Here's the intervention I need. Um, you, know, you and I both served as chaplains, and sometimes a chaplain needs a chaplain, and and you know I've been trying to rid my mind of the thought of of Marcus, uh, you know, being King Ginger, <laughs> but, <laughs> but now, but now I see in my mind's eye, the striking resemblance of him and the King at Burger King wearing, t- <laughs> wearing, <Ooh>. wearing tights <laughs> and, and singing, we're men, we're men in tights, <laughs> oh. we roam around the forest looking for fights. That's wow. beautiful. So, That's so chaplain, what? What do I do? <laughs> I don't know. I gotta go out and now minister pray, brother. Pray. Now I gotta find I that. I don't know if there's any hope, Tony. I have okay, to tell you, well. sadly, I don't know if there's any hope, and I don't know that I want there to be any hope because that's a wonderful, <laughs> wonderful thing. Oh man, <laughs> the Burger King. Are you looking for that? Uh, no, I'm. I, I'm not. Uh, I am. 
But uh, are you really? Okay. <laughs> Wonderful. All right. So, hey, Tony, tell our listeners where they can go to get um, resources from you, uh, to get blessed and, and more help from, from your ministry, what you've invested yourself in. Yeah, the, uh, the best place to go would be Cross Encounters Men, crossencountersmin.com. That's the main website. Uh, if you want to get, uh, you can get to everything from there. Uh, if you want all of the information, uh, radio shows, blog posts, videos uh, that I've done on Bethel Redding, you can go to crossencounters.us, crossencounters.us. That's the blog. And simply type Bethel in the search window. Okay. That's very helpful. That's very helpful. That's good. That's good. So, uh, well, I think uh, there's definitely an appropriate song. Um, I think it goes well. And, and I know you want to play the Burger King thing, but uh, this goes oh. well with uh, those who know. The grid. Will know. That's uh, that's Tron. That's from Tron, baby. That's Tron. That's Tron. Yeah, Did you know they're making a new one? You know how I do that? Huh. Because when we were painting this room. You looped it for hours and hours and hours. <laughs> the soundtrack, yes. Yeah. Motorcycles. Yes. Yes, I did. Uh, Luke, you, are you ready with that uh, that there Burger King situation? Uh, I can't find it. All right. Oh. So that's Tony Miano. Tony, we love you, man. Love you too. Love all Thanks of you. Thanks for joining Thanks, us. Thanks, brother. That's King Ginger. Burger Ginger. Ginger Burger. Ginger Burger. Stop it. I don't eat meat. I'm a vegetarian now. It makes it even better. That does not go well. Well, maybe it's a burger made out of ginger. Luke Pearson, Meet a Ninja. Get more at ApologiaRadio.com. Let everyone know. Join with us in bringing the gospel to the ends of the earth. So that Christ's name will be exalted in all the earth. Love you guys. Bless you. Thanks for listening one more time to Apologia Radio. We'll catch you next week. Jeff Durbin with Apologia Radio. You can get us at ApologiaRadio.com. I'm also the pastor at Apologia Church in Tempe. You can get us at ApologiaChurch.com. want to invite you guys to join us for worship, the word, and fellowship on Sundays at 4 p.m. And that's Joy Tempe. Hey there. We are a family integrated church. So we invite you to bring your whole family to worship with us. This is Luke Pearson, the ministry bear, also discipleship pastor at Apologia Church. Like Jeff mentioned, we are now meeting at a new location and time, 4 p.m. on Sunday afternoons at Arizona Community Church. That's 9325 South Rural Road and Tempe. We're meeting in the Community Center, and that is between Warner and Ray off of Rural. Again, you can reach us on them internets at apologiachurch.com. Delicious beards are encouraged but not required. <laughs> Glory!